Welcome to The Backlot by Alamo Drafthouse for Thursday, October the 10th. We are coming to you, as always, from the Alamo Drafthouse here in Springfield, Missouri. I am one of your hosts, Joey Mills with the Pup Goes the Culture Podcast Network. And joining me today in the room, we've got... Alamo Jen. David Mann with the Alamo Drafthouse. K-Dub. What has everyone been up to in the last week-ish? What have we been up to? Saw a movie. You guys have been busy, I'm sure. We've been getting spooktacular. Saw a couple movies, yeah. Saw a couple concerts. Yes. Uh, getting spooktacular. Jen's been living the life. I guess. Right. Best life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you get to my age. Can't buy green bananas. <laughs> it's, it's like the clock's counting down. <laughs> you, know, you got to start yeah. enjoying yourself. You got to say yes. <laughs> That's <Man>. awesome. <laughs> uh, let's see. What did I do? I saw. I, I was here for the cereal party with the uh, Abbott and Costello yes. meet Frankenstein. That was a lot of fun. I was... It was a group of people. That, it was a really mixed group. There yeah. was people with their kids. It looked like grandparents with kids, and then there was adults my age and younger. And then I, it was just, it was fun because I brought my son because he went through a phase. It's been a few years where one summer, for whatever reason, we just sat down and watched all of the Universal monster movies that we could find or that That's we had, great. but we hadn't seen that one for whatever reason, and. Uh, so it's like, hey, you want to go see it? So he had a blast, and the crowd we were seeing it with was the best crowd to see it with because they were laughing at the really stupid stuff. That's I'm like, great. I, I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't know it. that that's laugh out loud funny, but I'm glad you're laughing <laughs> because then my son was laughing more at the people. La- he kind of caught yeah, up in it, that. It, kind it of was kind of funny, but everybody laugh. else is laughing, so I'm laughing too, kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah. those interactive movies, especially comedies, it's so fun to watch with a group and yeah. a movie like that that's a little older. Uh, I know from growing up when I was younger, they're, you know, watching the Three Stooges right. with my parents. Yeah, I loved it. So there are some things that sort of like for an era or like a time period, they kind of bridge that gap. Yeah. So I I really like that people enjoyed that. It's yeah, it was a good time. It was pretty, I mean, it was a pretty good turnout in the theater and everybody was having a good time. So it was a lot of fun. Did you have any spooky cereal? I did just because I felt like I kind of had to. Yeah, you know, what I mean, it's like it's Halloween, so which one? Oh, you got all of them? <laughs> no, I, I had yeah, one. I had a little bit of all. Yeah, the, no, no, I did not. No, I did not mix them. <laughs> I kept them separate. But I did. I got a little bit of. I started with the Count Chocula and worked my way through. Okay. So Frankenberry's my favorite. Yeah, it is. Mine I'm too. shouting. One That's out. where I start. I start. I always start with Count Chocula because it's a little too much, but you feel like you kind of got it. So you, you start there, and then you move to the Booberry, which is really it's also chocolate, but it's just dyed blue. And then you end is with it? Frankenberry, yeah. And then you There's end so with the much Frankenberry. I don't know so. about the monster cereal. That's kind of your dessert. It's there are free. like a couple offshoot monster cereals as well. They brought back a few years ago. They didn't have. Them. And everybody's kind of got their version of it now. Like, hey, it's spooky Frosted Flakes. Yeah. <laughs> There's no difference. Yeah, there was it's, like, it's the same Frosted Flakes that are out all Wasn't year long. There some Apple Jacks or something with spooktacular shapes or something. Yeah, like, oh, that, like they do marshmallows or I don't know. It's an easy thing to capitalize on. <laughs> is yeah. the October style. And I want because. Because there's a, that, yeah, because Halloween cereal is kind of a thing. It has been a thing for 50 years now, so it's an easy, it's low-hanging. It's like, hey, let's do our spin on. We crank this out for like two months. Yeah. People love it, and then we take it back. Yeah, it's like then, the McRib. Yeah, yeah very much so. Very yeah. seasonal. Very much well, there so. was, I was at one of the Walmarts, I remember, and just on an cap, and it wasn't anywhere else, it was a three-pack box, Yeah, and but it wasn't. It was like a knockoff, but it was the same. It was a ghost. Yeah, the it was great a, value version. It's yeah, like, I was like, this is. Wait a minute. Bo- not Booberry. It's, yeah. It's Spooky Berry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was so crazy. Ghost like Berry. Like, 
Nicely played. Tried to put out a couple others, you know, just because maybe not everybody likes to be yeah. scared in their cereal. Yeah. Maybe not everybody wants to eat the ghosts. You pick up a bat marshmallow and you, uh, for a second. Yeah. It was a spider. It was mostly. You get a realistic looking spider. It just looked way cooler having all the monsters out and on yeah. display. Well, and then you kind of, like I said, it's kind of expected, especially yeah. for something like that yeah. where it's a classic if you've got horror it, comedy. Yeah. And then we have three in a row because then we have the Adam's Family Saturday. Yes, and then next Saturday we got Scooby-Doo. So I'm like... Bring it. Absolutely. Bring it. We're going those are a lot of whole grain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are going to be very regular in Springfield and <laughs> the surrounding area for the month of October. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, let's take a look at the top five at the box office. Last weekend, surprising nobody, Joker debuted in the top spot. This might be a little surprising, earning just over $96 million. That was surprising. That makes the film the largest October opening weekend, topping last October's $80.25 million made by Venom. Also topped, this is the funny one, it topped the $93.8 million made by 2017's Justice League, which launched oh. right before the Thanksgiving movie holiday weekend. I can't believe Justice League made that much. I, that, that was all <laughs> it made. <laughs> that, that's all it made. Yeah. Uh, it also, the, go, the global opening weekend for Joker, it made just shy of $250 million, $248.4 million. That is only $4 million less than the entire theatrical run of this last summer's X-Men Dark Phoenix. Which would mean... Which made $252.4 Yeah, by now, yeah, it's beaten that. So a big uh, turnout to see the Joker, which is interesting because there weren't a lot of show... The showtimes were later for a lot of theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, some theaters didn't screen it for... You know what they felt were valid reasons. Uh, we Jen was the only one who saw this movie this past weekend. It's true. Spoiler free. You're welcome. Give us your okay. impressions. You took one for the team, did you? Uh, I okay. I will preface it by saying I was not like in love with the idea of seeing this movie. I was like, whatever about it. You so know? you went in not pumped. I went in not pumped. I went in like, okay, we have a lot of different show times and they're not selling out, and so I'll see this because I feel like it's important. You know, to see stuff so we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I was proven wrong. I really enjoyed it. I was, I found it entertaining and disturbing and beautifully done. And the performances were top notch. Like every single uh, person cast just left it all on the floor. It was Bobby D. Awesome. Bobby D. <laughs> yep. How'd you know? Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good Bobby D. Yeah. performance. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you were in my head there. But uh, just everything, uh, just the, the darkness of it, um, literally and figuratively. Uh, the, like Joaquin Phoenix was, and I, I mean, I like him since, you know, 1990s parenthood. Fair. Uh, that's everybody's favorite, I know. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the easy pick. Was but, he Joaquin then, or was he still using a leaf at that point? He may have been point. leaf. He may have been transitioning. Yeah. He was leaf? Uh, yeah. That's his actual first name. No. Yeah. yeah. He changed it to Joaquin. <laughs> yeah. His brother's because, name was River. Yeah. Yeah. He had, they <laughs> oh, had the hippie know parents. What? Yeah. That makes even more sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Not, there's not, a Summer. Yeah, was, there was, I think was there's the a L- sister named Summer. It was the L I E F or L E I F. It's not Leaf, like L E A F. Although, in that family, you might as well have. Yeah. It's peculiar. Yeah. That's a cool <laughs> yeah. fact. I'm going to go to Joaquin. Yep. And, but this was. You know, and I did also love Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, but this is my favorite performance of his. I'm going to go really? ahead and say it. Yep. Oh, that's that's very exciting. Yep. Uh, the general uh, response to this film has been that 
Joaquin Phoenix's performance is probably Oscar worthy. Again, there's a lot of Oscar bait yet to I come, but at this point, he's at, on the short list. At this I mean, point, I'm sure it's better than Rami Malek. <laughs> well, 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 okay, yeah. uh, <laughs> he won a best dog. The general consensus is the cinematography well. is fantastic is the general consensus and then from that point on it's very divisive (laughs) you know what i mean as far as the responses to the film um from it it, in every element of the movie some people absolutely praise the script other people say the script is the weakest part of the movie some people say the other the supporting cast performances were fantastic other people say that was the weakest part of the movie. So it's been very yeah. divisive once you get past uh, the performance of Joaquin Phoenix and the cinematography. Those are the two things that everybody is saying, absolutely, this is Oscar caliber in those respects. Beyond that, you get 10 people in a room, you're going to get you know 10 different responses to everything beyond well, that's that. That's cool. I like yeah, a, very divisive, a yeah. piece of work that you know it, it causes conversation to... Uh, to break out, so yeah. I'm excited to. And I'm very is, excited. This is to one see of those it. that yeah will be talked about for a long time because yeah. there are so many different. Uh, you the don't characters just so takes, chaotic. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I'm really curious how the story comes together. Yeah. To and again, we'll that. keep it all spoiler free at this point for anybody listening, so we won't delve into spoilers. This show, next show, next show. We are ten like, days past, so okay. that's that's golden. I keep seeing like. Violent, excessively violent, surprisingly violent. I think, it, I think. I think the problem is. Yeah, violent. I think. The, I think what people are reacting to is <laughs> the poster. Yeah, I think people are reacting to the intimacy of the violence, if that's the right term to use, as opposed to the amount of violence or the gore it's particularly of the violence. Particularly yeah. like intense violence, whereas. Rambo's firing arrows that split people in two, like is, a piece of wood. Is over-the-top <laughs> yeah, glory violence. Or, or a film that racks up a kill count that's just insane. Yeah. Like, but this is more, because this is more of a character study, the things you see on the screen, including the violence, is more intimate. And Indie it's more, movie yeah. killers are always more, more in, terrifying. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so, they don't even have to be nearly as brutal as some of the other stuff you yeah. see. So yeah, I think, I don't think that, and I could, and I won't speak, obviously I can't speak for everybody, but I think a lot of the violence, the people that are reacting negatively to, isn't so much the amount or the gore or the over the topness it's the intimacy it's the person because this movie from as i from what i understand from those who have seen it have said it kind of puts you in the streets of like 1970s yeah. new york it's That's gotham exciting. city but yeah it's and it's very intimate and gritty and personal and you i hope this is like indicative of where they're going forward with their films as far as doing one shots or being well not only one shots which I feel Which like any isn't going to necessarily be start yeah. off as one shots and yeah. then beg for more, right? Uh, and that's the best way to expand, I think. Uh, but I hope this was a, this was a smaller movie yes. compared to most other blockbuster superhero movies, and with such a big property. Right? That's weird. That doesn't happen. So hopefully, with the success of this, they're going to make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. off of this film and Clearly. it didn't cost them a ton of money they were able to spend on marketing they, they uh, spent more on marketing I think than the yeah. movie's production I, and um, there was room yeah. to do that definitely yeah. so I hope this means that we might get some more intimate interesting unique bins on characters that maybe we don't get to see those approaches right? and uh, maybe that will then beg for like the connectivity so 
Uh, yeah, possibly. I mean, folks knows? have yeah. Some people have said, well, there's an easy way to make this connected. Others have said it's perfectly fine as it is. You don't need to try to connect it because this should stand as its own. You don't necessarily need to shoehorn it into something bigger. And since they put it in the seventies, that means well, your universe. Well, I don't now know. The, I don't know. They place. ever. Yeah, I don't know. If they ever set a date as much as it kind of evokes that the feeling of from the trailers of the Tonight Show type. Thing yeah, it feels that. very. Yeah. But I don't know that they've ever said this is. Yeah. When, although they do, depending on how they connect things, they do kind of. There is a, again, trying to stay spoiler free. There are moments that kind of date where this falls in a larger mythology. If you try to connect things later on, yeah. But it doesn't necessarily. I don't think they necessarily. This took place in nineteen XX, whenever. So yeah, you might just have to wait till it comes out and then cut it and count the rings. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, everything else in the top five has just slid down one spot, so this will sound very familiar. Abominable drops to number two, earns just short of another $12 million. Downton Abbey drops to number three, earning just short of another $8 million. Hustlers drops to number four, earning just over another six and a third million. And It Chapter 2 drops to number five, earning just short of another five and a third million. Hustlers reminds me that I did finally see The Hustle, which is not the same movie, <laughs> <laughs> but I did finally see that this week, think? too. Uh, I thought that it was mostly well done. I think they didn't need the bookends that they added. Yeah. That was the weakest part of the movie. I thought, yeah, I thought it is very, very similar to the original. Yeah. Like it's Although there is a third act turn yes. that... I that didn't it didn't feel right. It felt like they kind of made that third act turn for the sake of being different, as opposed to just it, it didn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean with the characters as we had seen throughout the film. But I was okay with that. But yeah, the bookends were not necessary. I the pairing was okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I thought it was great. I thought most. Of, I thought it was mostly a good movie. Yeah, they just had some weird choices. Yeah, that's with remakes. Sometimes spots. you just yeah. feel like you have to do yeah, it. Yeah, well, this is we got to do this. But there were some yeah. callbacks. You yes. know, the first time we meet Anne Hathaway's character, she's going under the name Janet as she's running her scam, which is a callback to the original film. Doctor Schaffhausen. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Those were whenever those. Pop- I would go like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was fun. A few, not a lot, a few movie-related headlines this week. Screenwriter Zach Penn took to Twitter to clarify August's announcements about a fourth Matrix movie. With Lana Wachowski directing and writing, and original stars Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss on board to reprise their roles. Penn, as you might remember, I think we've discussed it before, has also been working on a Matrix film script. The rumor was that Michael B. Jordan was going to be involved. There was some discussion that it was going to be a Morpheus prequel kind of thing. Uh, Zach Penn has said, quote... People keep asking, so let me clarify. There are two different Matrix projects at Warner Brothers. One set in the timeline of the Matrix... I, I wrote one, excuse me, set in the timeline of the Matrix universe. Lana Wachowski is directing a sequel that I did not work on, but I can't wait to see. Neither of them are reboots. So again, it feels like... I'm getting a real Neil Blomkamp alien yeah, feeling here. I've got a lot of like, good stuff going, but it's like, never oh, going to get made. I got something, but the original creator decided has to come back in. Back, so I don't think it'll happen then. That seems to be something that's becoming a trend, where yes. somebody with a unique vision on a prop on a property comes in and says, "I've got an idea," 
and then the original like creator a, comes like in and is like, no, no, no. Yeah. It's like, hey, that's mine. Yeah. I created this. I think I have more stories to tell. Yeah. I'm going to tell them if they're going to exist. So, Well, when yeah. it comes to the Matrix movie, uh, do a good one. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't need two more like the last two I got. I, I would prefer one more like the first one. Thanks. You know, those were back to back. There's been a huge gap of time. I think going back to the well in this case, I'm very excited for. I think there's enough time for scripting, and hopefully they'll give them a Get longer edit them, right? or whatever they need to just tell their story. As long as they slow down and do it right, that's yeah. all. Cause I love the first one. Yeah. And there's parts of the other two that I like. Yeah, they have not, moments, yeah. They have yeah. projects that come out that I'm like, oh, man, that's so close to really, like, I was so pumped for Cloud Atlas, and then, like, some just didn't come together. So I'm really hoping they're able to capture that magic from the first film. Even Speed Racer, I mean, which is probably better than it gets it, credit for. It, I've watched but it, it recently. Has, but it has those moments where you're like, man, they could have done so much. They could have they could have just moved this around here and connected yeah. this to that, and it would have been a better movie. It's but. so poppy and vibrant, though. Like, oh, yeah. That, that's a lot oh, yeah. people should go back and check it out again. It is very candy-colored. I mean, it's, it's it feels like a prequel to Wreck-It Ralph in a way. Yeah, almost. A it's bit. like... Uh, and Len Wiseman has been hired to direct the film Ballerina, which is set in the John Wick universe. Uh, the line for the film is, Ballerina focuses on a young female assassin who seeks revenge against the people who killed her family. The screenplay is being written by Shea Hatton, who worked on John Wick 3. No word on whether the character will be recast or if the project will use the same actress from John Wick 3, there was a scene where this character was first introduced, the ballerina that's just being verbally brutalized on the stage as she's trying to get it right. Uh, no word on how or if ballerina will connect with John Wick 4 or whether the film will go off in its own corner of that whole cinematic universe that they're trying to build now. Yeah. Uh, It'd be cool if it did, though. If I they mean, connect somehow? Yeah. It, you know... If they do it well, I'd be very excited. I know they're also working on a TV show, right? I believe so. About the hotel. The hotel, yeah. Yeah. Man, it, it's such a cool, stylized, unique version of uh, like action sequences in these movies. Uh, and they're very artfully shot. Mm -hmm. So, man, yeah, ballerina kind of like uh, some sort of very smooth, fluid movement would fit very well in this universe. Yeah, the choreography, the fight choreography yeah. they do, a ballerina. It's adding another feels, layer of yeah. art to yeah. what they're already trying to make very artfully. So. And they're treating the universe pretty well. It's yeah. not like they're just like, here's a John Wick movie, you're going to like it because it's a John Wick movie. It's they're like, like slowly building the yeah. universe, yeah. then they don't spoon feed it. That was one of my favorite things about the first film. It's like, you don't know that John Wick essentially knows everybody, but <laughs> people keep on coming up to him and saying, oh, John, uh, you see you're working again. Yeah. Uh, all this, all these little tiny things, the coins that doesn't directly say anything about. Yeah, uh, it's just so intricate. It's a, and fun. It's a, yeah, the, the, it's like the universe is already there. Yeah, we're not building a universe around a character. John Wick there is a universe. All these Here's a character. Again. He yeah. knows about him. So yeah. if we're following him, he's not going to be asking a ton of questions. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. This will be a, a fun offshoot. Hopefully, it has the same level of like. All the and everything that goes into the John Wick films, hopefully that's the same mind is paid. To that's this one. that's always the only 
not only that's always the biggest concern is that are they doing this as a cash grab or is there a story to tell and are they going to give it the resources whether that's scripting whether that's cash whether that's the you know casting whatever the case might be yeah. are they going to give it the resources to make it feel like movement's going to have to be very yeah. like with the choreography of the fight scenes like with John Wick he's very brutal and it's it's not right. it's a little cumbersome at times he's getting thrown around and stuff he's in charge typically but he's getting challenged right. where with the proposition of a title like ballerina and that focus of the lead character you're going to expect if you're going to have those long cuts you're also going to have to have like this extremely fluid movement so yeah. uh, it could look really cool absolutely it could be something that we haven't seen traditionally in western cinema it has more of a Hong Kong, you know, yes. feel to it. You know, the older martial arts. Films. And they've also been a lot of the movies where the female's the lead action hero. It's not like it was, as we say, pre-John Wick, right. where it's just like, okay, she's pretty, she's got a nice body, she can shoot a gun, good enough. Now it's like, you've got to do all you these set crazy the bar, moves. Yeah. You're going you're to be doing your own stunts, not yep. all of them, but... And it's know, all going to be realistic. Realistically, if you're fighting, if you're a five foot four thin woman who's in good shape, and you're fighting a six foot five muscular dude... There's going to be have to be some yeah, other advantage that you Exactly. Yep. So throwing that stuff in, which I'm sure they will. It's making for better movies. So. Yeah. Yep. so I'm sure a lot of the villains will be you know, big, lumbering, burly, lumbering yeah. dudes. So yep. there's going to have to be that element of real control. So that'll be fun. I'm I'm excited for this. New in theaters this week: couple of films. The Adams Family. This is the animated version. I still don't understand, and I'm not crapping on the cast because it's a fantastic cast my problem is if you're going to assemble that cast why aren't you doing it live oh, action you yeah. <laughs> yeah. you well, if you've got oscar isaac as this. yeah gomez and yeah. yeah and you've got yeah. charlie theron why are you not just doing a live action yeah i wish a, a lot of the actors like the way that they emote is, is yeah very that that's a skill that they have so whenever you put that behind an animated figure uh, I think it's a little lost, but I imagine it's a. The universe is so silly and yeah. weird. It's. I'm sure it's a way that you can have a lot more fun, violent things that aren't really truly violent. Because that right. was like the one of the fun staples of it is they're constantly like harming each other and loving it. Yeah. Uh, like both parties enjoy. So. I think with an animated feature, it's a little easier to like show someone shocking someone. You can temples. make it. You can make it PG as opposed to PG thirteen. Yeah, if it's live uh, action, it has to, and you you have have to account for that. And you have all like with Nick Kroll playing uh, uh, Uncle Fester. Mm -hmm. You have that ability to have like he's a he's a wonderful voice talent, so you right. can bring in people like that and have them fill those roles. That are a little it just seems to me if you've got Oscar Isaac and he is the perfect visual predecessor to Raul Julia yeah, as does. Gomez Adams, then why don't you just go ahead and show us that as opposed to draw it looks him? Very slick, and uh, I think it's what is that uh, Suburbicon? He kind of has that look too. Does he have a little like pencil yeah. mustache in that film? It's, he's he's very close right there. So and again, you have Charlize Theron, who's perfect to step in for Angelica Houston. Why don't you show us? <laughs> you know, it's just it's yeah. just that whole. I understand that you're making an animated film, but 
I would prefer to see these folks live I, I action. I think it might. I think just in this generation, it might just land a little bit better. Yeah. Like, everyone's tied to a lot of the older Adams Family movies. Uh, I know there's a lot of great affection for the original mm-hmm. uh, and the series. So and I they've think, done the live action before. Yeah. Right? I mean, it didn't, if I'm remembering right, it didn't do like crazy good. Right. But people loved it. But you know, why not? Yeah, Yeah. why not do that with the success of everything from the Spider Verse, you know, stuff up into Abominable. I mean, they it's clear that the animated stuff makes good money, Mm -hmm. and the actors can be brought in just for a few days. Yeah, you've got the dialogue. But I don't know that a film's. I don't know an animated film anymore because it's not like it used to be now because the bar has been set higher. I don't know that it's any cheaper. Than doing a live action film. I mean, building, because they don't even have to necessarily build a lot of the sets. A lot of set can be built from shoulder level down, and then everything above is green screen. So, well, I know that there have been some studios that have developed ways to kind of like cut costs and still put out like really pretty product. I know, mm-hmm. like, with Hotel Transylvania, those films aren't super expensive. So once you have like, the asset, and that's the only, that's the only other side of this. Yeah, if they plan on structure, if they plan on doing sequels then yes once the assets are built that's a sunk cost you don't have to rebuild yeah you don't have to yeah you don't have to rebuild the character model you don't have to rebuild those things so yeah but that said i'd still they could also do you know like i'm seeing a lot of the uh people have little things set up in their houses where they can do voice work in their Mm -hmm. house yeah so they don't even have to be in the same room anymore they could just do their part and on their time and it's easier to maybe work around these schedules of some of these people and stuff so maybe that's yeah, oh. it would be curious how long like the actors like, film their voiceover. That that's a unique thing to to know, and how much they have to like come back and reshoot like based off of tone changes and stuff. So yeah, just some of the things I've come of been because I've been interested in this for some reason ever yeah. since. Uh, kind of what was we saw the Ruby uh, panel cat panel up at Comic Con. Uh, you know they'll come in and I mean they'll some some of them people are good enough they knock it out. First one or two things, and they're in there for an hour, two hours. Whole thing's done. Yeah. So it's like, holy cow, you know that that speeds up the process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the longest part of this is the rendering, but uh, and then also out in theaters this week, Gemini Man. Oh starring yeah! Oh, finally, Will Smith and Will Smith. Will Smith, Clive Owen, and Will Smith. Yes, Cannot finally. Wait. Finally, this... the cast. Finally, the plot. Finally, the screenplay. I'm getting face-off vibes. I know my dreams are coming true. <laughs> getting face-off vibes from this movie, and they it makes so me excited. so young. They make him look so young. That's, yeah. That's what I'm excited about. They have perfected the de-aging, it feels yes. like. Or somebody has, whether it was Marvel Studios or yeah, someone they hired, you know, whether it's ILM or Waiter or somebody. Yeah. But yeah, it's somebody has perfected the de-aging process. Yeah. It just makes me wonder what performances I want, like... What actors who have aged out of those types of performances do you want I to, see, want to see brought back like a little bit? I know a lot of people it's like the genetically modified foods <laughs> where it's like I think there are a lot of purists who are like, no, that's gross, that's despicable. And then there are some people who are like, I think that's pretty cool and I'd love to see like young Jack Nicholson in a new movie. Cause I've watched all the old ones. I've I've gone to the well too much, and it's dry. <laughs> so it would be cool to just, you know, have maybe create a sequel to a, an old movie that was from the seventies. Make it look here's the, the exact sequel same set in seventy three. Jack Nicholson, yeah, yeah. put him in there. 
I believe even Scorsese on The Irishman does a lot of with the de aging with De Niro. And, Can't wait. Yeah, mm, and Joe Pesci. The fact yeah, that yeah, the either. fact that they are using this in what you consider more prestige films now is it's interesting. It's giving it weight. I wonder if so. Had this technology been available prior to now yeah. and at this level, would they have cast De Niro in The Godfather Two, or would they have de aged Brando? Oh no! <laughs> I'm just asking. I don't know. I, I think they would have de-aged Brando, right? Uh, so that's the big oh no on that one. <laughs> yeah. you would steal there's a potential one of his yeah. best performance. There are ever. potential performances that we won't see now. Okay, so there are hypothetical issues with this, <laughs> where you're taking a job from a working actor and possibly like stealing a brilliant performance, but still, still, <laughs> I'm greedy for it. I want it. Very good. Well, coming up this week at the Alamo Draft House, Thursday night tonight, a Nightmare on Elm Street movie party starting at seven o'clock. Props. I was gonna real quick. Yeah. Didn't, how how much do you think it would cost to DH Clint Eastwood? Because he looks so old. <laughs> well, you already have it, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or his son Scott would be a great stand-in. Um, yeah, oh, let's God, talk about yeah. the props for yes. Nightmare on the <laughs> Yeah, move it on. <laughs> uh, They're so cool. They are super cool. You're all going to get this awesome, like, foam Freddy glove that nice. you can swipe at your neighbors. Oh, you it's pretty righteous. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, you might want to yeah. Yeah. consent. <laughs> uh, and then we also have stay awake pills. Uh-huh. Uh, there's no, like, and drugs a real in prescription <laughs> bottle. Yeah. Everyone there. The wrong person's gonna see that be like, yeah, baby. They're gonna be collecting. You're not gonna take those? I'll take them. We'll sell them outside the theater. You only need half a tablet for the whole movie, so yeah. we probably shouldn't have filmed last it. you a while. Yeah. But they're like specific to this film props. We're really, really happy with them. They're yeah. made for us. So that is awesome. Saturday, as you alluded to earlier, there's an Adams Family cereal party at 1040 a.m. Mm-hmm. and an Adams Family family party. At eleven, so one has cereal, one has activities. I was going to say so. If somebody is considering the two, explain to them the differences between the cereal party and the family party. I, we know the differences sitting here, but if somebody's listening and they're like, Ooh, "What's the difference between those two? Someone's okay. scratching their head and they have say you're questions. like, say you're like me, for example. You're not crafty. Done. Uh, you don't <laughs> want to talk to people that much. Oh, it's that's, the yeah. morning. Um, you just want to come, carb load, and watch a movie. But you don't you don't want to order off the menu and wait for the food. You just want to get it right away. Come to the cereal party. We've got a, a bevy of cereals and milks. I mean, for anything, we have some gluten free cereal. We have some you know soy milks and nut milks. Just pour whatever you want there into the cereal. Get yourself a bold spoon. Uh, get the cereal. Get the milk. Go sit down. Eat it. Then go get more. We're gonna leave it up there the whole time. Um, and that's all you have to do. Just relax. Eat a bunch of cereal. Is it going to be healthy? No. Are you really coming to get healthy cereal to cereal party? Get with me if you do. However, if you're more like a David and you're a crafty guy, you're a crafty guy, uh, and you're like, I want to do, I want to see a movie, but I want to craft. Okay, go. If you want to craft. Our family parties are a wonderful way that you can spend a little time before the movie as a family doing fun crafts related to the film. So uh, 
You come 45 minutes before showtime. Uh, we leave the lights high. We have some tables set up front, and uh, you and your children can come down. Uh, this time around, we have this really fun, like, web-making craft. We have another one where you get to make, like, a little sort of like a pennant, uh, a Halloween pennant for your home. So uh, it's it's a really, really fun experience for kids and adults. And uh, this time we're doing double stickers. Yeah, that's right. If you come dressed up, we're going to give you double, double stickers. stickers for your kids club books. Yeah, and those add up. Prizes. Those stickies add and up. And there's a little, uh, little bonus <laughs> prize for the kids in costume in addition to the double stickers. Ooh. Yeah, so make sure your kid is looking spooktacular. I'm going to keep using that. Go for it. When they come to the family party for Adam's family. Adam's family family party yeah and you can make your own craft say that your kid is making their craft and you're like well they're not talented this is a lost cause <laughs> that's not going on craft. the fridge make your, i mean the crafts are for everybody yeah right you can use your we'll imagination support your children i mean <laughs> yeah you don't have to tell them that necessarily i mean you can yeah. if that's your thing <laughs> tell them it looks great yeah and like grit your teeth when you do it oh it's so you're so talented wonderful. let me get a picture put that up in your room <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's figure out where in your room we're gonna hang this on Sunday, a wow. couple of Sorry, reasons to come out on Sunday. Yeah. And it skips a generation. Yeah, it explains a lot now. I'm going to uh, put this in the I love you box. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. This cardboard box That's in the, the basement. trash can. <laughs> Sunday, 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 4 o'clock, the Rocky Horror Picture Show movie party. I have a feeling there'll probably be folks dressed up for that if I had to guess. Yeah. Oh, hex yes. I wanted to have one, you know, like say that you have the... You know, your heart is still partying Rocky Horror style, but, maybe <laughs> but your body you just can't stay up that way. But, you, but so your like, body has to hit the Denny's early bird. See what yeah. happens. Turns out a lot of people don't like the afternoon. <laughs> but now we know. So there's there tickets go. left. Yeah, the they point. like Rocky Horror after dark. Yeah. yeah. Who knew? That way you don't get recognized. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Isn't that David? And then at 7.20, a screening of An American Werewolf in London. Heck yeah. The best werewolf transformation scene committed to film. <laughs> yes, I would agree with that. It is. It's so, <laughs> so wrong. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's very Cronenberg-esque. Yes. They, they did a wonderful a lot of, job. A lot of body of, horror, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I just listened to a whole like a podcast thing of the guy who did the makeup for it and stuff. Mm-hmm. He was talking about everything they went through doing that and everything. And I was I don't know. It was really neat to listen to. It was like, wow, that's so I crazy. imagine he was like, it was probably very difficult but he's got to be so proud because oh, yeah. for this film, one of the things that stands out the most is that. Yeah. Like that whole transformation. It's just gross. Because honestly, the rest of the movies can be forgettable at times. But <laughs> it, that transformation so scene. Yeah, that, yeah, but that transformation scene well, is like, wait a minute, what, what? Well, I guess it was really hard on the actor, everything that oh, they yeah. had to do, everything they had to use and everything. They're just like, okay, I'm just going to apologize today, yeah. right now. Yeah. You're and a vessel for the best part of this film. Yeah. And the guy was just like, I'll just do what you got to do. Let's let's do it for the movie, you know? So he was a trooper for it, but they were describing everything. I was just like, oh, my gosh, man. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. On Monday night, The Mummy, the 1999 version with Brendan Fraser. 20th anniversary. It is. So man, crazy. feeling old. Yeah. The Mummy movie party at 6.40 p.m., Props for this? Oh, there are props. There will be <laughs> people will be wrapped up in. We, it'll, it'll be the the toilet paper wrapping. We thing. do have there a toilet go. paper wrapping thing. That'll awesome. be very fun. Uh, you know, I saw this movie when it first came out, right. and I went to see it at the theater six times, and I what? only finished it one time. 
I she was a kid. Because... I kept on getting scared at the exact same part. That's Which was? Because I wanted to see it. Right. Uh, but it was when the bug crawls under the guy's skin, yeah. gets in his brain, and makes him kill himself. Right. I, as a child, what? that Spoiler. traumatized me. <laughs> it's only 20 years old. Yeah, Spoilers. That's, that's about 15 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my parents kept on shilling out money because my Aww. sister loved it. She right. was like, no, he'll make it through. We went time after time after time. When I finally saw it, loved it. I, I, when I made it through that part, which I covered my eyes at, should have done that way earlier. Uh, <laughs> That's what your parents were thinking, too. Like, what did yeah. you get the first time? And that guy was a jerk, too. He yeah. kind of deserved it. It wasn't like it happened to a good guy. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> great movie. <laughs> right. Way to wrap that up. And at 7.20, another screening of Metallica, S&M 2. That's right. People like it. Yeah. yeah. People like it. Can rock out. Yes. Tuesday night at 6.40, Candyman. An underrated gem in the horror genre. It really is. Terror Tuesday screening of The Blair Witch Project at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Saw that one in the theater opening weekend when it came out, just to see yeah. what the buzz was about. Did you, did you enjoy it opening night? Um, I don't know if enjoy it's the right word, and I'm not saying that necessarily in a derogatory way. Yeah. It, it was. Was, was it effective? At least it was just. It was different. It was. Yeah, it, it was, was a different, different. Uh, take. So that made it kind of effective for me because I was at that point pretty sure that nothing could really scare me. Yeah, I thought I was just dead inside, and so I was like, oh, I was a little, a it, little uh, jumpy. There yeah. was a couple little jumpy parts. See, we walked out of it. The folks I saw it with going. You know, my family's got a bunch of land, and we've got this old barn, and boy, wouldn't it be fun to drag somebody that hasn't yeah. seen this movie out and kind of recreate yeah. this ourselves. That would be really cool. That uh, was kind of what we walked out of with more than anything. Yeah. I, for some reason, I think those movies, at least on first viewing, are pretty effect- effective just because they really lean into trying to create realism. Mm-hmm. That, like, Paranormal Activity, when it first came out, right. I know it kind of gets, like, dogged on a little bit now because there's not a ton to it. That one was point. another one that got me. Yeah. I Yeah. Audiences did jump, and it freaked him out because it, like the, sh- the shooting style, just makes it feel more realistic, and yeah. you don't have that window in front of you. So yeah, yeah. You keep thinking, is it real? Is it real? Are you sure? Are you sure yeah. it's not real? The viral you know, marketing like, on Blair yeah, Witch is just really, oh yeah, that was that that, that, that was what was drove the entire film. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. And also Tuesday night, the 20th anniversary screening of Idle Hands Which at was 720. based on a true story. Yeah. Weirdly. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually, yeah, this is the documentary. Yep. Wednesday night, a zombies only double feature screening of Zombieland beginning at 740. Zombieland, and what's the second film in the double feature? It's uh, Zombieland 2. I'll be darned. <laughs> Zombieland. Really? Double tap. Holy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And also. at 6.40, the beer dinner for this month is Cabin in the Woods, which is another fantastic yes. film. One of the best modern awesome. horror comedies there are. Absolutely. There's like not a whole lot of them. Dogfish head beer? We got it. We got it for this beer dinner. And it's not made with <laughs> dog or fish heads. That's it's true. We did check in on that because we're like, oh, we, could, we had a couple of vegetarians that were like, oh, I can't this have beer? this if it has dog or fish. Yeah. I'm not a pescatarian either. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. It's still just beer. Yep. Fair enough. <laughs> and the movie's great. <laughs> the, really the movie's is. great. It is. All that plus Trivia Tuesday is back. Brand new host, I believe, on Tuesday yes. nights at 7 o'clock in the back lot. We got Matt hosting. He is a delight. If you have never seen uh, Matt Shimmer 
shine as a host at, <laughs> at a specialty screening. Definitely come see Bring your Shimmer Shine here at the Bangalore <laughs> for Trivia Tuesday. Wow. No, he's really... I. He's, he is a lot of fun. He is a fun, happy person, and it really comes through in his everything he hosts. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun on Tuesday nights. And quick plug, join us for live recordings of the Pop Goes the Culture podcast on Thursday evenings right That's here in right. the media room at the back lot. You can come see what this whole podcast thing is all about. Have some fun with us. Of course, the full drink and food menu at the bar. Bring your stuff in here. Sit down and have a good time with us as we record the and Pop Goes the Culture podcast. Time. Just chew listen quietly, to us. though. Yeah, no, yeah, you can chew pretty loud. It, I mean, we have set this equipment up so you can chew pretty loud. Really? You Joey can chew, is a pro. You can chew and have a conversation and laugh and do whatever, and you will not be picked not up on mics. Get any mouth sounds. You won't get. You won't even get a dirty look from us because we're glad wow. you're here having a good time. That's that. welcoming. <laughs> Recording starts <laughs> at seven o'clock on Thursday nights. Don't be late. Show up. Anything else? You guys have a special menu. I saw a special drink menu for. What? I saw three new drinks. El Camino. El Camino. Yes, that's what it was. Thank the, you. The Breaking Bad movie. Yeah. That is. Do we even have that in front of us? We don't. Do we don't have the menu in front of you. Yeah, I was looking ahead to next week's Parasite, and I completely overlooked this. That's yeah. okay. We, we do have a, a nice little uh, blue martini with a, a blue sugar rim. and I think Yeah, it's made with like crushed rock candy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rock yeah. It's, it's not drugs. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> it's not the stay well, away. I mean, unless blue. you want to argue, <laughs> is candy a drug? I mean, kind of. Sugar. We'll, sugar we'll get into yeah. all that later. Certainly not on the same level. No. It's well, like, like 99 no. point whatever percent pure candy. Right. Could be. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> get your tickets early. These special screenings often sell out. You can get them in the Alamo Drafthouse app on your mobile device. You can buy them online at drafthouse.com slash Springfield or get your tickets in person. Just don't wait till the day of the screening. You might get here and find that the screening you want to see is all sold out. All these events and more. I know everything for October is on the Facebook page. Just search for at Alamo Spring Mo and go to the events page. You'll see everything you want to see for the rest of this month. Pick something to come see because, again, I say it, I know I've said it every week this month, but. October at the Alamo Draft House is a lot of fun. There's all there's something every night to see, even if it's not a new release, if it's not Joker, there's something to see at the Alamo Draft House. Pick something to come out. Last week's poll. Let's talk about this. Bunch of bulls. <laughs> I agree with that. Simply. Last week we did our face off, face off. We selected an actor to swap roles and film careers with the star of Face Off, Nick Cage. And then we asked you to vote for your favorite swap. Here were, here are the results. At number four, with 12% of the vote, was Tom Cruise. Host. Oh, yeah. Folks did not see a, a translation it's between good. Tom Cruise and Nick Cage. Well, open your eyes, people. At number three, with 19% of the vote, was Daniel Day-Lewis. You guys are just wrong, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Again, folks not seeing the swap. At number two, with 28% of the vote, finally not in first place, was Paul Rudd, <laughs> which was Jen's pick. I'm glad you lost a poll, finally. It's been a yeah, minute since you've lost a poll. <laughs> and at number one, with 41% of the vote, nearly half the vote, Jack Nicholson. It was a good answer. It was. Yeah, we had some fun. Sure. We had uh, some comments going yeah. on on Twitter with this as well. At Bring On The Weird, which is a podcast. 
They said, just imagine Nicholson stealing cars in Gone in 60 Seconds or casting spells in The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which is fun. At Cage's Kiss Podcast, which is, yes, a podcast all about Nick Cage. <laughs> David's subscribing right now as we speak. At How Cage's Kiss on Twitter says, know about this. they said, that. I don't know, he, being Nick Cage, and Judd Nelson were vying for each other's roles early in their career, but nowadays I'd have to say I would love to see him face off with John Cusack. I kind of thought that for like half a second too. Cusack? But then I kind of just went through everything, and I'm like, nah, that's not a... Cusack's a little too emotionless in films for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I just feel like the fun, campier roles that Nicolas Cage has taken on would absolutely lose all the fun. That you couldn't have. see Nick Cage as Edgar Allan Poe in The Raven? I couldn't see John Cuse. I didn't see that. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. <laughs> I kind of boycotted that movie in that I ignore that it existed. Uh, it was, a, it was an involuntary boycott. Straight across like 16 Candles and Valley Girl. Yeah. I mean, that, would, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Hmm. Say anything with Nick Cage? Nope, never mind. Dead. <laughs> Dead in my mind. Dead in my heart. There can only be one John Cusack. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So thanks to everyone who voted. Thanks for the folks on Twitter who commented. Yeah. This week's poll, the rest of this month of October, we're going to talk about horror, and we're going to talk about horror by decades, but because I was not smart enough to start this early enough, we're going to be throwing a couple of decades <laughs> together at a time. Uh, so we're going to talk about our favorite, and favorite can be interpreted however you want. It can be your scariest. It can be something that stuck with you for personal reasons. It can be whatever the case might be. Your favorite horror films. And this week, we are looking at our favorite horror films from the 60s and 70s. So you'll have, you have two decades. You have 20 years to draw from. You have to pick one film that is your favorite horror film from the 60s and 70s. Next week, we'll do something a little different, but today, 60s and 70s, we will do what we've been doing. We will roll the dice. High number will pick first. Low number will pick last. Ties will roll again, but we will roll for pick to see who will go first in choosing their favorite Oh, it doesn't matter. I'll end up in fourth place anyway. Well, what, yeah, kind of, right, but <laughs> usually. But go ahead and roll them. Let's see. Time, wasn't it? Five. Five for David. One what? for Jen. Hey. One for Kenny. All right, well, you get a roll off. Here we go again. And five. So David and I will roll for first and second, and then Kenny and Jen will roll for third and fourth. So David and I, David has a five. I have a five again. Well, I'll be darned. One. Kenny's got a one. So Kenny will go last. Jen will go third. David and I still rolling for first and second. We both. No, you have a three. So David will go first. Yay. My two Woo. will go second. Jen will go third. Kenny. Just fourth. like last week. I'll be darned. I'll, yeah. You were right. You're fourth again. So, David. You can go third this time, Kenny. No, you get no. to go Nobody's going to choose mine. You get to pick first. Ooh, okay. Your favorite, whatever that means Don't to you. I would like to go ahead and just put out there real quick that I, there was way more horror films made in those two decades than I had realized. Well, was, here's what you got. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you've man, got you've got a lot of Roger Corman. You've got some Roger Corman with Vincent Price. You have Roger Corman without Vincent Price. You have a lot, of, especially a lot of Poe Poe tangent, not necessarily directly related to the Poe stories. A lot of Hitchcock still going in the '60s. Hammer horror, of course, was big in the '60s and '70s. The start of like some Wes Craven, you start to see some Stephen King adaptations. 
kind of the whole satanic panic era. David so Cronenberg gets in there. Cronenberg got his start. So uh, again, we're and we're kind of moving from traditional monsters like Dracula and Frankenstein to more uh, starting to introduce like the concept of the slasher. Yeah. So and we're getting a little paranormal too. Yeah, starting mm-hmm. to get a little bit of that. So we've got religious a lot cult. of stuff. Yeah, a lot of that satanic panic stuff. Yeah. So yeah, we got some choices. David, your favorite horror from the 60s and 70s. Lead us off here. So, uh, with the lead off, there are like two in my head that I think you guys will pick. Yeah. There there are two that are no-brainers. I want to take one of them. I'm going to take the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Mm -hmm, I figured that mm -hmm. would go pretty quick. So, you know, first seed, you got to take a heavy hitter. Uh, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre benefits from a few things. And it's kind of what I was saying with the Blair Witch in that... Uh, while it's not like found footagey completely, it still has this like gritty look to it because it's shot so cheaply, uh, which kind of gives it an extra element of realism. It's also got that based on a true story element to it, as well as uh, people lost in an area they're not familiar with, you know, uh, with the kids traveling. Uh, it has a it's a paralyzed uh, gentleman who gets murdered uh, in that film. Early on. Uh, yeah, yeah, handicapped fella, which yeah. doesn't really happen that often in films. Yeah. So it's an equal opportunity offender. Uh, it's, it's brutal. You have this weird, gross, incestuous, inbred-type family, like sort of hill people. And their culture that they Which have. Which was kind of a theme in the 60s and 70s yeah. as well. There are others that kind of dwell on that. Like, there's like stories of like real life right. instances where like people who lived out in the like oddball locations, whenever someone came around, they might kill them. So, uh, the like reusing body parts that's also something that's just skeevy. It's a gross. <laughs> uncomfortable scary movie and it's the terror in a lot of the characters feels very visceral from the last shot as the yeah. girls riding away in the back of the pickup covered in blood like it's yes and the guy's just crazy in the middle of the road with that chainsaw. that's almost the freakiest part of that movie like, to what me is, is the guy is after she's free she's in the, she's gone he's it's freaking out and terror. almost dancing with his chainsaw in the middle of the road and it's just yeah. i think uh like scary movies kind of play around too much with a scream yeah uh, there are like there are some movies that get it where it feels like it like triggers that like back of your neck hair raising type feeling, uh, but that's one where it's ah it's so visceral. So Very good. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, best horror movie from those decades. All Very right, nice. I will defer. I'll pick later. So Jen, if you want to pick next, really? Yeah. I'm, I, oh boy. Because I've got a big Woo! list here, and I'm like I could pick a bunch of these. So I'm gonna let you guys whittle some of them off my list. All right. Uh, as you all may know, I don't. I don't really think too hard on these. You know, I just go with my gut. Right. So, picture this. The year is 1986. I'm like sixth grade. I was like, we're it's not picking the, the 80s. The last, <laughs> it's the last day of She's school. She's really thinking about the box. There's a big party. All the sixth graders are there, except one. It's me. Because my mom had me perpetually grounded for about 14 years. Oh. So Because you saw a movie you weren't supposed to? 
Is that where I you're taking this? I can't remember. <laughs> I probably didn't put the dishes away. I don't okay. know. I was hoping to tie this with so like... What was different this time it. is she felt a little guilty because, like I said, this was a big sixth grade party. It was the first dance. Like, all the people were there. Actually had a little boyfriend who broke mm. up with me oh, no. because I wasn't at this party. Wow. And... He was not a I, keeper. I've thought about him every day since. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. But I will say that she, to apologize, took me to the video rental place oh, and no. allowed me to choose any movie I wanted. A big deal because we weren't allowed to watch scary movies or anywhere remotely racy movies. So I saw one that looked terrifying. I'm like, I'm going to shock her. I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to take full advantage of this. The movie was called Carrie. It was Stephen King, 1976. No. Sissy Spacek's face and eyes alone made that movie <laughs> terrifying. But then you threw in buckets of blood. You threw in her crazy mom. Oh, that scene. You, did your mom take away a different message yeah, from this movie? Like? I, after that, I was like, you know, my mom's not so bad after all. <laughs> And she's like, they're all going to laugh at you. Oh, just the blood and the just the end scene and the murder. And the, oh, my God, it terrified me. And it may have broken me because after that, every other movie I've seen, I'm like, not that scary. And I think it's because Carrie just broke something in me permanently. It seems like we That's do tend answer. to uh, whatever that first real horror was, nothing mm -hmm. else ever really yeah. matches up to it. It's so like, I'm still I've, trying. I've know, already been I'm scared. Getting, I didn't yeah. jump scare every once in a while. Yeah. And I love Which is it. different. It's yeah. kind of a cheap... It. But as yeah. far as like checking under my bed or like jumping from the doorway to the bed yeah. so nothing can like Grab you know like yeah. I used to do after oh, yeah. I saw Carrie yeah mm -mm. you turn off the light nope. and then you make the one big nope. leap never go oh, through yeah. doorways in case somebody knives me to the, the frame thing, yeah. the thing about like those Stephen King movies and books I guess uh, is yeah that, he, he did yeah, more he books those right. and that's Carrie. materials based yeah. on yeah uh, the thing that's always like skeeves me out the most is how often the majority of the characters, like the ones that you hardly know or meet, are just reprehensible. Mm -hmm. How many yeah. like it's like almost in Carrie, like some people who get it who don't deserve it, but are technical evil villain or the one who does the bad thing. I can't blame her. Oh yeah. man, like yeah. these people are disgusting. Mm -hmm. I, I think that there is a larger conversation to be had. Not today. <laughs> uh, you could talk about where the Joker movie fits mm -hmm. in, and you can Absolutely. talk about comparisons to Carrie and how they're dissimilar and how they're dissimilar because Carrie, Everybody's you do have a, a Carrie, Carrie has sympathetic characters. Yep. Yeah. Joker really doesn't have any. There's not a sympathetic character in that movie. So, um, so good. Kenny, do you want to go next? Because, like I said, I'm watching. I'm just letting people chop the list down so uh, I can go. Have you marked off both of those? I've marked both of those off. Nice. So. Yeah. At least we did goo picks. Yeah. <laughs> so, Joey probably already knows this one that I'm going to pick. I, I have two in mind for you, but yes, go ahead. And it, it just squeaks in. There's one that, I, yeah, I'm not sure that you're going to take, but yeah, I think I know where you're going. But for me, uh, this was the first movie I ever saw, and it was up in Chicago, and I was little, and uh, they, uh, the theater that we went and saw this in was like <laughs> broken down, and like the marquee was hanging weird, and like, it, yeah, it was, it was a rough theater. And then go inside, like the seats were all kind of 
very well used and it kind of smelled like the floor was sticky. Yeah, yeah. And it was just it was rough. But the whole time going to see this, my mom was really wanting to see this because she had heard that it was based on a real life thing, and so she was telling me all about this. So it was the movie Annaville Horror. Okay. Oh, and good one. So being a little kid. Hearing all these stories because she was like, Oh, I heard this, and this and is I heard real. This, and Let's this go see it. Stuff. So I was like, I, being a little kid, thought I was seeing a real life, like, this is what happened, and they filmed it. And you know, like a documentary kind of thing, yeah, that would kinda, make it very scary, yeah. <laughs> and so, you take the surroundings, and it was already kind of getting dark, anyways. Then we go in there, and it, the movie theater was dark at the beginning, there was no lights are up, and then they come down, it was just already dark. Uh. And so, you know, seeing all that, that was for yeah. me, seeing and in my imagination. Even as a young kid, I was always drawing, very artistic. So my mind was racing with everything. So it, it, it made for me a very scary movie. And from there on, nothing else. Not even Texas Chainsaw Massacre bothered me. It broke nothing. You. Yep. That was a dig yep. at my pick, yep. so that wasn't nice. Uh, <laughs> well, it's because he saw it first. If he'd yeah, Texas, it's again, he it's which I have one a funny you see story first, with yeah. yours, too, if we have time. <laughs> we got time. Go ahead and say it. Uh, well, with David. <laughs> Um, my mom took me to drive in to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Perfect. And so I was in the back seat, of course, because I think my grandma was, or my aunt went to. But uh, so I'm watching. So, okay, yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre going on. It's pitch black because it used to be at the end of sunshine down right. here. And there, that was before when there were no lights down yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. So it's pitch black. And uh, so, you know, it's dark. And there's people going to get popcorn and stuff. So every once in a while, there's somebody walking by. Yeah. So you're like, mm-hmm. you know, like that. So my mom's like, hey, stop watching this movie. So I'm like, okay. So I turn around. <laughs> and in the other screen that you could watch was Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. <laughs> so I'm watching that. And I'm like, okay. And I'm kind of laughing at some of the stuff. She's like, stop watching. <laughs> <laughs> you brought me here. There's two choices yeah, in my line of sight. Exactly. Yeah. So then I would look out the window. Then someone would come out of the darkness going to get popcorn or something. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, because again, very little kid, you know, so... That, I have a pretty good memories with that movie, too. It'd be a very interesting cut, like a splicing of two films together. <laughs> if you started those at the same time, yeah, yeah where would like, you cut this one into that the one? The scenes and... almost mesh. It almost yeah. fits. <laughs> They're driving along, and yeah. all of a sudden, we're in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> all right. So, good. So, we've got three good picks so far. We had Texas right. Chainsaw Massacre, Carrie, and Amityville Horror. What scraps are left? Well, here's here's the not going to picks, but I think this gives us a good feel for, you, know, you think about two decades, you're like, well, they got to be fairly similar, but this is how all over the board horror was in the 60s and oh, 70s. Yeah. You had The Birds, again, Hitchcock from 63. I almost, there's a part of me that wants to take Manos, The Hand of Fate, just yeah. not because of the movie, <laughs> but just because of the Mystery Science Theater yeah. and all the fun stuff around it. Uh, but you have Night of the Living Dead, the original yeah. George Romero classic, Rosemary's Baby, where you're talking in this, you know, again, that satanic panic. Um, again, Wes Craven's come in. You've got Last House on the left. You've got The Wicker Man, The Hills Have Eyes. You can go to Suspiria, where you've got a lot of Italian uh, horror, which is its own breed. Um, again, The Wicker Man, very British horror. Um, but you've also got some fun stuff in there. You've got like the Abominable, abominable Dr. Fives with Vincent Price. Uh, you've got the Rocky Horror Picture Show in this time, yeah. um, which is a horror 
But again, you got the Omen Invasion of the Body Snatchers. This is probably the best remake of the the probably the best version of Invasion of the yeah. Body Snatchers is the seventy eight version. Piranha, the original uh, Roger Corman yeah. Piranha yeah. Uh, Phantasm, which again another if you talk about Candyman as an overlooked gem in the horror genre, I yeah, think Phantasm's Phantasm right there too. Cool. Yeah, uh, but those are not my picks. I'm down to four that I have to whittle away from. And kind of like the two decades we just talked about, these are all over the place. So you've got 1960 Psycho, the Alfred Hitchcock classic. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't think I'm going to pick it because as good as it is, I don't feel like I've got a real connection to it. Yeah, you can't pick something that they did better with Vince Vaughn. <laughs> Again, this is probably the best version of Psycho that we have on film. Is the '60s classic. Um, Halloween is kind of the low-hanging fruit as well. Yeah, um, the '78 version. But honestly, I kind of think the 2018 was maybe the best version of Halloween that we've gotten in a while. Nice. So I, I don't think I'm going to pick Halloween. Um, Alien from 1979 yeah. is one of my favorites because it is the horror movie in space um, that kind of kicked off lesser horror movies in space years later, uh, thinking like Event Horizon and things like that. Yeah. But it's kind of overlooked by aliens, the plural, the the uh, James Cameron action movie that is not a horror movie. Yeah. So I don't think I can pick that one. So that just leaves 1973's The Exorcist for my pick. Nice. This is one that uh, it's just. I mean, it. You, you know the marketing spin on all these. Oh, people were passed out, fainting yeah. in the theater, and all this stuff. But uh, that's the one I was kind of. That, yeah, that's kind of the other. Yeah, it's kind of low hanging fruit, but it is one that's yeah, kind of set the bar for what horror in the seventies kind of became. I feel like it's kind of it plays on the supernatural, the satanic panic stuff. It kind of it's very atmospheric. Um, it does have a little bit not gore is not the right word. The gross out factor of yeah. things, uh, very vulgar, using vulgarity to trying to upset, yeah, yeah to get yeah. to to drive a reaction or an, an emotional response from the characters and the audience. So I think all around, it's probably uh, of those that are left. And again, I'm glad I. I purposely went last because you guys are picking great ones that I'm also... It took my list of seven down to a list of four, so that's yeah. good. Uh, but that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go with The Exorcist. So that gives us... I almost went with that one, too. The choices this week are, from the 60s and 70s, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Carrie, The Amityville Horror, or The Exorcist. Those you, are all great. They are fantastic. Yeah. Yep. They would be a great... Last. Uh, Really? I think The Exorcist is a really, really yeah. strong contender. This would be a great uh, Saturday mini the marathon at yeah. the Alamo. <laughs> yeah. For real. 25, yeah. 25, 25, 25, and then we'll all be happy. That would yep. be great. It tied for first <laughs> every film that we picked. These were all good. Yeah, they, they are. Uh, well, here's the deal. The poll is live right now. You can find us on social media and register your vote and join in the comments as Bring On The Weird and Cage's Kiss Podcast both did on Twitter or on Facebook. You can find us either at Backlot Pod, all one word, at Backlot Pod. If you search for that, you'll find us on Twitter and Facebook. The poll is up right now. Pick, make your pick. Join the discussion. Tell us why you picked what you picked. Let us know what we didn't pick that you would have if you'd been sitting in here with us when we made our choices. Uh, and share it. Tag your friends. Share it with your friends who are horror fans, who are film fans. Uh, as many votes as we can get. We may need every vote to determine the winner here this week. It might come down to literally a couple of votes separating first from fourth in this case. 
So give us your thoughts on anything we've talked about. What are you going to see this week? Did you see Joker? We would love to get your response to that as well. Heck yeah. Uh, let us know, your, again, your choice in the poll here. If we use your comments, we'll give you a shout-out in next week's episode. Again, on social media, that's at BacklotPod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or, again, if you've got a take and it's more than what you want to type in, you know, 280 characters now won't contain it on Twitter, uh, you can call the hotline and leave a recorded message. We'll play your recorded message in next week's episode. That number is 417-986-7842. Again, we'd love to include your recorded comments in next week's episode. Be sure to follow the Alamo Draft House online on social media. Search for at Alamo Spring Mo <laughs> on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Time. You can download the Alamo Draft House app. Just search for Alamo Draft House in your mobile devices app store or visit the Alamo Draft House online at drafthouse.com slash Springfield. And again, the invitation is extended. Don't forget, check out the Pop Goes the Culture podcast. Season two is underway with our rotating lineup of hosts. Join us here at the Alamo Draft House Thursday nights at 7 p.m. You can come on out. You can grab yourself something to drink it's a lot we're a lot funnier when you've had something to drink i'll tell you that (laughs) get yourself something something to drink something to eat and come on out and join us here in the media room Uh, you can find us again the show time the recording time starts at seven o'clock you can find information about that and more at pgtc stands for pop goes the culture at pgtc podcast on social media and at pop goes the culture.com be sure to subscribe so you'll know when new episodes are available that's all I've got. Has anybody got anything else before we wrap this one up for this week? That's all I can think of, David. Yeah. I anything? don't. All right. Well, fair <laughs> enough, then. That's going to wrap right. us up for this week. I have been Joey Mills. I'm Alamo Jen. <laughs> David Mann with the Alamo Draft House. K-Dub. Don't forget to vote for who has the best pick, your favorite from the 60s and 70s, and come see a movie this week at the Alamo Draft House. We will talk to you later. See ya. Later. Goodbye. This show has been brought to you by the Pop Goes the Culture Podcast Network. Find links to all of our podcasts and more at popgoestheculture.com.